0: Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. Jesus is risen. Easter is about the gospel. Anyone heard the term gospel, the word gospel? Gospel choir? Gospel music? Gospel, you know? And, and here's the thing, I'm, what I want to do this morning is I want to break down a little bit about that thing, That what gospel means. So even if this is brand new to you, even if you sort of um, aren't regularly, don't come to church, maybe it's your first or second time ever, who knows, But but... At the very, very least, I want it so that you would leave and go, well, you know what? I know what gospel means. I know it's not just music. It's not, it's just, it's, there's something about it. I also pray that there's a lot more that happens in your world from a message like this. But even if nothing more, that. The gospel means this, by the way. It's Old English. You can eat your chocolate. are you? Yeah, yeah, there's a gift for you on every chair. And if you're thinking, I can't eat my chocolate because you can, it's Easter, you should eat it. Um, yeah, now you're all too. Um, gospel means uh, good news. It's not Greek like a lot of it. it's not Hebrew. It's an Old English word, good news, gospel. It's, it, it, it means good news. And when you think about it, I mean and the gospel ends up being good news, but it starts with something that doesn't feel so good. And what I want to do this morning, in the few minutes and the little bit that I have with you, what I want to do is I want to tell you the good news. I want to preach the good news this morning. I want to preach with everything I have the good news this morning. But I also want to sort of, because I, I, I think over here, I think up here, um, I think in a unique way for the better or for the worse, but um, it occurs to me that when I preach the good news, uh, there are pockets of people in society or in the world or in their life or in their journey that maybe this isn't such good news for you. So I also want to talk about not only the good news, but when the good news isn't so good for Is that all right? It's a new take on a thing. Here we go. It's good news. It's good news. I want to show you this this morning. Um, I'm going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures. They're going to come up behind me. But let's begin. And you can keep up. You can get it on your device if you like or with your Bible. But Romans 3.23, let me show you this this morning. I want to show you the good news, why it's called the good news, and why for some it might be actually bad news. Just a couple of passages, and here's the first. Romans three twenty-three. it says this. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Okay, bear with me, because that doesn't sound entirely good right now. But it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get good. For everyone, say everyone, has sinned. Say sinned. We all, say all, have fallen short of God's glorious standard. So sin, we need to talk about sin. On Easter Sunday, we we need to talk about sin. We're celebrating Easter, but to understand what we're celebrating, we need to talk about what we're celebrating. And so it all begins with this tricky little concept that no one really likes to talk or preach about. It's called sin. So you probably think, and you've probably thought, if you're anything like me, that sin is that thing, that yucky, dirty, unjust, naughty, wrong thing that you do, that religious word from some book telling you that the action that you might actually otherwise quite enjoy doing is actually the bad thing. But this morning, I want to post to you that, that sin isn't about so much an action as it is about a direction. Sin is, is, is less, than, less than you might think about the action and more about the direction. You see, sin is uh, a word that we don't, you know, float around very often easily. You know, we don't... Sin means a religious thing in our English language, doesn't it? Really. But uh, sin emerges from days of old. It sort of meant to miss the mark. Uh, um, hey, Miles, can you demo something with me? This is a surprise. Could you go right up the back, right over there? Yep. That's, that's a very manly run. That's awesome. So, um, you've got to possess. So, here's what it would be like. Here's how it would play out in the days. Miles over there is an archer. And, and this A in Easter message is your target. And I would be you the big grassy knoll, I'd be below a grassy knoll so I wouldn't get hit, I'm looking at the target, there's no binoculars, there's no telescopes back then, um, fire the arrow, it hit the E. So I would stand up and go, sin, you, you missed the mark. So you draw another arrow, you go, sin. that's over on the other E. Um, sin, oh, don't no, no more no more but we could keep going but i think our people we get it so so we're missing the mark the direction's off we miss the mark and that's that's in can you put, thank you miles thank you <clears throat> for all have sinned all have missed the mark and fallen short of god's glorious standard it's about a direction. It's less a thing and it's more where it takes you. It's missing the mark, literally missing the mark. It's, here's another way of putting it. Sin is missing the mark of what God has designed us to be. It's, it's, we were designed to be the way we were created to be and there's something about what we sometimes do and where we go that takes us away from that glorious moment of, the, of our pure, full, whole humanness. Our true humanness. Nowadays, when we say human, what we mean is frail and erring and prone to error. But that wasn't the intention. Sin makes us less whole, you see? Sin makes us less complete. Sin makes us less than the God breathed design of us. You see, a dog, anyone a dog lover? Dog lovers? The thing about a dog is it's completely dog. It is it's complete in its dogness. It is always, it's complete. We've got some vet students. Yes. Yeah, dogs are completely dogs, Olivia, right? Yeah. A bee is complete in its bee-ness, its buzzing bee-ness. A, a star is completely starry. It's doing everything a star was supposed to do. The stars are doing it right now. The galaxies know, ex- they do what galaxies are supposed to do. Gravity is always appropriately gravity. It's not sometimes missing the point of gravity, it, it's gravity. We can explore it, we can research it as it is. That the only piece of the universe that seems to constantly miss the mark of its completeness as it was designed to be is us. That's the sin. God said, This is how I'm making you. We said, Yeah, but nah. Australian. <laughs> The Bible tells us this in Scripture and deep down in the core of us, regardless of who we are, regardless of our faith background, regardless of how we've come in today, I believe that everybody in the core of us, we know it to be true. There's a, there's a, there's a capacity in us that we don't reach and we know it. There's a something in us that we know we're not, we don't quite attain. Our feeling emerges from the inside of us because we're made in God's own image, and we know that there's a mark that we're supposed to hit and be, and we haven't. And if you don't feel it, if you don't see it, I'd I'd encourage you, look at the news, look look at the violence, look at the injustice in the world, look at all of the things, and you'll realize that humanity has just missed the mark again and again and again. Again, sin isn't about a particular action as much as it's about a misdirection. It's about being out of sync with the rest of creation because we haven't achieved our fullness of design. And this matters. Can I tell you why this matters? I'm going to tell you why this matters, so you can just not do anything, but I'm still going to tell you why this matters. Because the next scripture is this, Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin is death. The return on our misalignment, our misdirection, our less than, is death. There's a second half of this verse. I'm going to dig at this first bit, and then I'm going to do the second bit, but because you already know the second bit, because it's on the screen behind me, I'm just going to read it, okay? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Let's... let's, let's park for a second your, your first response that this might be. When I say the weight of sin is death, your mind goes to physical death or, uh, you know, maybe some existential um, end of the age, death, heaven, hell, all those kinds of things. Uh, and you wouldn't be wrong in going there. But can I pose to you that there's other kinds of death that sin is creating that you're tangibly living with now? What about the living wages of sin that are evident in your life today already? The marked evidence that of, of, of the death of healthy marriages and relationships and, and human connections all around us. What about that type of death? What about the type of death of loving community and deep and real friendships or, or the death of a healthy self-image? What are you looking at you look in the mirror? Who told you you were like that? You're amazing. The peace of mind, the death of peace of mind. See, some of the outcomes of the sin in life causes a thousand small deaths before these big ones that we often run to. The wages of sin is death. Maybe you can relate, because I can certainly can, that the idea that of, of, of people who I love, and sometimes even myself when I just, I don't, I step out of what I know to be true, That there are people around us in Edinburgh today, in our universities, in our in our workplaces, in our households today, who walk around with deadened senses, with deadened hopes and deadened dreams, interminably unwell souls, walking through life, seeking something that they don't quite can't quite grapple. This is why we need a but God. Can I take you back to that verse? For the wages of sin is death. Look at the world around you. Look at your own world sometimes. Look at when you're really honest. But, everyone say, but. Everyone say, I'm so thankful for my butt." Not like that. Don't be silly. But, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did I ruin a deep moment by making a butt joke? I did. But God sees. Let's go to another verse because I want to build on this. Verse 5, Romans 5 verse 8, it's coming on the screen now. It says, but God, say, but God, showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us, even while we were still sinners, even while we were still missing the mark, even before we cared, even before we thought it was an issue, even before uh, we gave any time to God and and we said, I'm not interested, God, even still, even if you never said yes to him, even if you go your whole life saying, don't even care about you, God, even still, Jesus walked to that cross and put himself on it. Even if you never do, this is the great reckless love. We sang reckless love. I've had people come to me before, after church, and they've said, I theologically cannot grasp how could God's love be reckless. Can I tell you? It's because he has no, even if you never say yes to Jesus, yet he will still die for you. He doesn't guarantee it. He didn't say, Father, if I, die for my, if I die for you, if I die for these people, will they all say yes? Because it's a big cost the Father said, may, may, might not. It's the thing with free will. They might hear all about it at church on a Sunday, they might hear all about it. In a book that they read, they might hear all about it, and they might say, I don't care. I, I don't, it's irrelevant. And yet still Jesus walked to the cross for you, even while we are still sinners. But God, I love those two words. Read it in Scripture. There's always something about to happen in Scripture when it puts out all of these circumstances, all of this stuff, and then it stops with a, but God. And here's something for you, and this is one of these secret moments where you need to watch how long I'm going to say this because this is what you need to get me on board, but but God says to me, no matter what my circumstances were, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the bank manager says, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what, uh, what my brain is telling me, what the mirror tells me when I look back at it, no matter how much I've slept, no matter how much pressure I'm on, it isn't the end until there's a but God. The end hasn't happened yet. The conclusion hasn't happened yet for your life until there's a but God moment. And there will be, because that's our God. It changes everything. Okay, now I want to stop to breathe. Is that okay, Elle? I'm going to stop to breathe right now. So I lock eyes with Elle and I thought, let's bring her in. So um, I said at the beginning of this message that I was going to go through the gospel, but then I was going to stop at some points and just do the, the moments where the gospel might not actually be that good news. And here's where I want to stop with one. We've talked about sin. We've talked about but God. Here is maybe not a good news moment for some. The gospel isn't good news when you believe you have it all together. This gospel so far can only take us as far as our willingness to admit that we don't have it all together. If, if I'm saying we'll, we'll have sinned and fall short of the God, glory of God and, and you think, not me, I'm fine, then this isn't good news yet. This is like irrelevant. There's another word for this. It's called pride. Pride says, I don't need anyone. I've got it all. I've got it. I'm going to do it. It's all on me and I'm going to be fine. And over and over and over through history, read the book, history books, through Scripture, read the Word of God, humanity shows us how we continually, circumstantially, as a global group called humanity and individuals, one and another, we over and over and over again seem to get haughty and prideful and think we've got it all together until we don't. And it's when we don't that we start crying out to God, God help me, God help me, and then he restores us because there's always a but God. And then he, and he comes there until we get haughty and prideful. And then, have you read that? Is that true? Because I'll reflect that sometimes I go to that space myself. It's at this high point, this pride point, you forget the good news. Pride will do that. James 4, 6 says this. And he gives grace Generally. Amazing grace. We just sang it. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, can I just give you the greatest word maybe you'll ever get about connecting yourself with God? If you're hungry to experience the love of God, if you, if you, if you hear, heard about it but you've not experienced it, if, you're, if maybe you've never heard about it but you're like, if God is there, I want to encounter you, God. How? He resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Humility says, I don't have it all. I don't have a monopoly on all of this stuff in life. I need support. I need help. You get to that place called humility where it's not all about how great you are and about how much you have need. I'm telling you, you'll encounter God at that point. People say this. People say, Christianity, it's nothing but a crutch for the weak. I say, yeah, it is. Because we're human races, all walking on one leg, because we've got another broken leg, and it's in in our weakness that God proves Himself strong. You'll discover God when you say, "You know, I don't have it all together." The thing I hear as people get older, and as an older man now myself, I feel like I can say, "The older I get, the more I realise I don't know." It's, it's 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 humility often comes with age, because. It's the young who get impetuous and thinking, I now own the world. That sounded a bit Donald Trump. I own the world. But that was my Donald Trump impression. But God gives grace when we're humble. Anyway, once we're humble and we acknowledge that we don't have it all, this becomes good news again. Let me move on. The gospel, this first part, is about the issue of missing the mark and needing a but-God moment. The bad news for people who have, think they've got it all together is that this is all irrelevant so far. But the people who can capture it as good news are those who understand and are brutally self-aware that at the depths of them there's a need somewhere. And I remember when I did. I remember when I did. For me, it was when... I mean, Miles, happy 10 years this is incredible. For me, it happened longer than that ago. I was, I was 15, and now I'm 21, so six years. Um, no, I was, it happened a while ago, and I was at a church service not dissimilar to this, and my parents were the types who brought me to church every week, and, 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 and I went to church every week. But who knows? Be honest. Who knows that just because someone's dragging you to church doesn't actually mean there's a relationship moment with God. It just means you're going to church a lot. So my life was all about getting going to church. I'm dragged to church. I'm not actually having a connection moment. I'm just going through the motions. In fact, I was quite angry about the whole idea. Why are you bringing me to this? One day, I was in a church service just like this, and it was like the preacher was saying this stuff, and it was uh, getting to my spirit somehow. Like everything this preacher was saying was like at me. And I'm like, how do they know my story? Who told, did my parents talk about all the bad things that I'm doing? What's going on? but something cut straight through to my spirit and my heart was beating through my chest and I knew at that moment that God was alive and he was doing something. And at the end of the service, the, the preacher said, hey, if you need to make a move on this, if you need to experience God and say yes to him in your life, why don't you let me know? Why don't you put up your hand? And I, I was like, I'm not doing that. That's so embarrassing. My parents are up the back and they're going to laugh at me. They're going to say, ooh, because that's how we do. He's, and, but I felt my hand going up anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And the guy said, I see that hand. And I'm like, Dah. and back in the day, I won't do this today, but back in the day, um, he'd say, okay, if you put up your hand, come right out the front. And I'm like, why am I coming out the front? Are you kidding? And then I feel myself getting up and I'm walking. This is so embarrassing. I won't do that today. But something clicked in my life in that moment. I experienced Jesus and I've never looked back. But God moved in my life. But God. But God. I needed a Savior. And that's my moment. Here's another scripture Romans 10, 9, and 10. We've come as far as all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. But God. On 10, 9, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says this If, say if, I'm getting you to repeat with me a lot. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved until this time if you've not new to church if you if you are new to church I should say that whole thing about a saved person what does that even mean now i'm hoping that it clicks saved means i need a savior i need a savior because i found myself missing the mark and i can't get out of it myself but now I am saved if I declare openly that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that he's raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, come on. For it's believing with your heart that you're made right with God and it's openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Here's my second, how am I doing? Okay, I'm going to wrap up shortly, I promise. I'm doing fine. Here's my second when it might be not too good news, the gospel. Did that sentence go good? Here's my second one. If the first one is pride, the second one is religion. The gospel might not be so good if you've got a religious spirit on you. If you, if you, if you love, if, if, And I'm going to break this down. See, the religious spirit will always seek to take the life of something and examine it down until it's got the form of it. The life could be gone, but the form is still there. And then then, then the religious spirit tries to break it all down, and if you don't do the form of religion right, if you don't do the the process right, then you're missing it. And I'm going to add more process because I've got someone to prove. I've got something to prove. Religion lets life go for the form. The religious people in Jesus' time, read the Gospels, the religious people in Jesus' time were the only ones that Jesus absolutely railed at. The broken, come on in. The sex workers, come on in. The the tax collectors who were, were deviants and um, and 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 stealing and you know what, come on in. The people who understood they were broken, come on in. The people who thought they had it all together, you brood of vipers. Matthew twenty three one to four. I'm just going to give you an example. If you want to read more about Jesus yelling at people, read Matthew twenty three. I'm only going to start you off. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, he says, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't even practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease their burden. He goes on and he goes on and he goes on about it. He goes through that entire chapter. It's almost around that point that they decide we're going to kill this guy which culminates in Easter. The religious spirit today, not back then, it exists today, it's the people, it's the thought, it's the people who take the gospel, which is a free gift of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, and then they add terms and conditions to it. Watch out for people who add terms and conditions to the gospel. You can't, they'll say, if you haven't grown up in this Christian thing, you can't yet. It seems like a term and condition. You can't, unless you, unless you really read more and understand about God, you can't pray. No, that sounds like a term and condition. If, you, if you're living this way currently, you can't come to church. If you, if, you, if you did that last night, you shouldn't walk into church. That sounds like a term and a condition to me. That doesn't sound like the gospel. Only when you dot, 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 then you can dot, dot, dot. Sounds like a term and condition to me. The religious spirit comes out of a place of wanting control, and humans, what we like control, but it comes out of that place. It comes out of wanting to feel like you have the final call about your own worthiness and comparative to others' worthiness. Yet brownie points that they seek to get from God, he already makes clear there's only one way to get brownie points with God. It's humility. Not stuff, we just talked about humility and pride. You get it from realising that you don't have it all together. I don't know about you, but I never, ever, ever, as a follower of Jesus, I never would want Jesus to rail against me the way he railed against the Pharisees. Never, Lord, may I never become the religious type. One time I almost did. I'll tell you, okay? Okay. So um, I grew up in a church like this, which is beautiful and relaxed and a inf- bit informal and incredible worship team and presence of God, and I loved it. Um, and, but then I, as an 18-year-old, I'd say I'd made my decision for Jesus like two years before. And then I went to the States to visit a friend, and I'm in this church service with my mate, and it's a very traditional one. And I remember, because I, I, I was 18, you know how you know everything? Sorry, 18-year-olds. No, I was, I was like... I was like I've got this down and, and, and that people are coming out with robes and candles and incense and, and traditional music in, in Georgia from the States. Anyone from Georgia, are you? No. I'm not saying that you should be. It's great. Um, and I remember thinking this in my heart. Never said anything. I was all, totally okay exteriorly. But in my heart, I sort of said, you guys, you guys don't get church. You, don't, you guys don't get God. God isn't in the incense. He's not in all this stuff. He's in my type. And I remember, man, did I've never been so railed against by the by God before in my life, and never since. And He he said to me, I shook. He said to me, How dare you presume that I'm? You have the monopoly of what I do in this planet. And I went, I'm so sorry. I'm. I, I just. I was just having a thought. I'm so sorry. Don't you ever do that again. I am just as much here as I am in all the churches that I love. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm at, and I went, I can't, I'm so sorry. And and as I apologized to God, as I repented and I said, I'm so sorry, he said, good, just don't do that. I tell you that I experienced the presence of God in this traditional place and I'm just, and and I'm loving it. And ever since then, I'll tell you, you can ask anybody in my world, anybody ever, I have never since that day spoken a negative word against a church because who am I? I'm not God. That was almost me getting religious, do you see? It's almost me putting terms and conditions about what God can do. His terms and conditions is only this. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's the only term and condition. Romans 10, 13, and this is my final thought. For everyone, say everyone, for everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone. It's for everyone. You might have come from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of faith backgrounds, from all kinds of whatever, going through anything that you're thinking. This is for you. There's one more what if. There's one more when it isn't good news. I've talked about pride. I've talked about the religious spirit. I'm now going to talk about the sense of unworthiness. The amount of time as a pastor that I've ministered to people and had chats with people who've said to me, I'd love to be in church. I'd love to have God in my life, but not me. I work with people. I work in the NHS and I literally work with people and I've prayed for them. They've asked for prayer. They know I'm a minister. They know I'm a Christian. They say, would you pray for me? I pray for them. I said, oh, this is... Present, I feel their tears and, and they feel breakthrough. I'd love to come to church, but I accept, I come from, accept, and no matter how many times they say, Don't be so silly, they've got some sense of unworthiness that they need to have off them. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel's for everyone. The gospel's for you. Here's something that's really captivated my life since a very young Christian. In those days when I'd make a mistake and mess up, and then I'd think, Well, that's it. God's done with me now. This following thought changed me and continues to hold it close. Are you ready? It sounds a little bit cheeky, but it's true. When On those days when I feel like I'm unworthy and I'm far from God's grace, God says to me this. He says something like, who do you think you are, Nathan? Do you really think you're that special? I said, what do you mean? You tell me all the time how you... you know." He says, no, no, no. Do you really think you're that special that I have died, says Jesus, for everyone in humanity and you're the only one who's external to that? Do you really think you're that unique that everybody else gets this grace except you? Did you think it was about you? You know, you had a... You know, the death of my son, says the Father in heaven, is enough to pay for the lot. I'm not actually that special. I'm stuck with the same gracious God as we all are. It's amazing grace. We might need the band to come up so we can finish this with amazing grace. Conversations where people display a sense of unworthiness. They break my heart. And I know that if they break my heart, imagine how much they must break their Father in heaven who's done everything for them, did everything for you. He said, I've opened everything for My son went to the cross for you. Now don't say no, to, don't say no because you think you're unworthy. My son has made you worthy. The gospel means good news. It means good news because it starts with we're sinners. It starts with we've missed the mark. We can't get out of it. We've just missed it. The wages are death. The good news starts with but God. (laughs) Have you got your but God? But God loved you so, so much that he sent his son on this journey to the cross for you. Even if you were the only one for you that if you would just believe with your, with your heart and say I believe it God that you are who you say you are you did who you, what you said you did confess with your mouth that he is Lord every junk every sin every unholiness every unworthiness every, every brokenness completely covered instead you get a new spirit he gives you a new spirit he gives you a new life he gives you a new bounce in your he gives you life and life abundant. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the good news. This is the good news that we preach. This is the good news that I'm preaching. This is the good news about amazing grace. Now, would you close your eyes and let me pray, and then we're going to stand up. We're going to worship God. Father God, we are in awe of your amazing grace. The sweetness of the sound puts us in awe we are sorry for the times where we get full of pride so we don't take it in we're sorry for the times where we count ourselves unworthy so we don't take it in we're sorry for times where we get all religious thinking and so we think there's more to be more more, there's more terms more conditions God we're sorry for those times across this body and across every life we say we're so sorry for that but rather this morning on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we remind ourselves that you are risen. Sunday. You are risen, Jesus. You're not in the grave, you're alive. You succeed you you beat death down. You paid the price. We remember you this morning. We rejoice in you this morning.